And we're ready, man. What's going on, Jake Matthews? <coughs> it's not Matt. Is it Matthew or Matthews? Matthew with no S. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. Call nice country dressed and proper. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, actually, I'm, I'm probably going to leave straight here and go to our show. Where's I'm going to go see my probably <coughs> go see my girlfriend for a bit and then go to our show. It's crazy. Small world. Girlfriend lives here in the same same apartment complex we do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Uh, well, we met on a dating app actually. Yeah. So it okay. was it was a first for me to be honest with you. I've never uh, Can I guess which one? Yeah. <coughs> All right. Hinge. Am I right? Yeah. Man. I mean, it, it's, it's, a lucky it's just guess. like, yeah, it's one of those, I feel like it, it has a pretty good success rate. I mean, I've, I got a friend, uh, a buddy who is dating a girl for, you know, a couple of years now. They met on Hinge. You're a religious man. Have you ever used Christian Mingle? You know, I've never used Christian Mingle, but... So the only reason for that, though, is is because I wasn't very optimistic about dating online. So I, I never really put a huge effort into it. Like, I downloaded the app because I was new to town, mm. you know. Um, never really used anything like that before. Um, and, you know, I was kind of striking out at the bar scene. It, it's tough because, I mean, so many people that I was meeting in Nashville we're only here for a few days. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. So I kind of felt like I needed to, you know, either use some sort of platform, <laughs> online platform or something, or or go somewhere where, like, locals were hanging out to find people that actually lived here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, yeah. I downloaded Hinge, and probably within a couple weeks of having it, I, I linked up with... Uh, went on a date with my girlfriend Grace and it we hit it off now we've been dating for about uh nine months now well congratulations yeah man. so you never know it could happen could yeah. uh could happen on anything you know that's true I, I didn't want to I'm not trying to put the dating apps down or anything <laughs> no. like because you know that's that's just how it is today right you know especially in Nashville because mm. like you said you don't know if somebody is here for a minute or here yep. for a while. Yeah, that's the thing just with the tourism, you know. I was... Uh, yeah. And I, I was trying, you know. you move, I, moved, I moved here to town without knowing anyone. So, and when I started here, when I, um, when I moved here originally, I was working, you know, a full-time job. I was working for a construction uh, general contractor um, out in Franklin and uh, you know we were managing sites and stuff but everybody that I worked with was you know mid to late 30s all the way through 60s so yeah um, I wasn't having very much luck finding people my age outside of like you know maybe people that I met doing the gigs but even those were pretty sparse um, when I first moved, it was more like open mics a lot, a lot, a lot of what yeah. I was doing. So you moved, did you move, uh, right from Florida or like 
so you're from New Hampshire. Yep. Manchester. Yep. Then you went to Maine uh, for college for track and field. And you were a, a what? I was a thrower. Yeah. I threw the javelin. Yeah, so I started at Maine um, playing football and doing track and field. So I was doing both sports <laughs> there. Um, and still kind of just, I think, sort of establishing what my what my passion was. You know, I knew sports had been part of my life for, uh, you know, all of my life, yeah. essentially. And uh, and I loved football, and I was doing really well my junior and senior year um, in football and, and doing substantially well in track. And uh, I had the opportunity to do both at Maine, which was kind of what drew me to the school. Um, Does Maine have a D1 football program? They do, yeah. I've I don't know if I've ever heard of them. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it's uh they're they're pretty low on the on the ranks as far as like conferences yeah. go. You, you don't think of Maine when you think of or football when you think of Maine. That's crazy. No, no, I mean they're a big hockey school, you know, yeah. huge hockey school, but our um you know, it's kind of funny though cuz like most schools that you go to football is the biggest sport. Mm-hmm. And uh and granted we had a, a pretty decent program but hockey was definitely the sport that everybody would show up to it's kind of crazy to to think of it like yeah because there's nothing really around yeah it's no their campus (laughs) is kind of wild yeah they they remind me of a lot like uh vermont or vermont's campus yeah have you been up to uh orno yeah 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 it's uh it is uh it's so out of the way of everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even like, so the, the biggest city close by, which is like 30 minutes away, is Bangor. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really not much to do in Bangor. And then two hours south of Bangor, you have like Portland area, which oh, is nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is an, a nice part of Maine. And that there you have a lot more stuff going on. But yeah, essentially, you're three hours away from really anything that's going on where was the uh closest school that you guys would play oh not for hockey, like baseball or you know football which, whichever one like what was your rival like close school or whatever? university of new hampshire was was okay. definitely uh i would say the closest it, it was the closest d1 school that we had to us yeah and uh so it was kind of funny actually because um you know, growing up in New Hampshire, that was the school we would cheer for and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up going to Maine. Yeah. And my my coach, uh, my football coach in high school, was a football player at Maine. So uh, oh, we had, he had some connections there, which definitely helped me to to get on the team for sure. Um, but what you know, position? What position were you? I was a defensive end. Oh, nice. And uh, but you know, I played both ways in high school. I was a quarterback and a defensive end, um, and a lot better of a defensive end than I was a quarterback. But I think my pride is what kind of kept me in the quarterback position until senior year. Then I was like, okay, I think uh, it's time to just focus on defensive end. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. I mean, that's it's tough to let go because yeah, it's such a rewarding uh, position. It is, yeah. I mean, you know, eyes are on you, and people are looking to you to kind of 
lead the lead the huddle. Yeah. And it it's cool. But you know, I find I find it uh, a similar situation with music now because you know, like yourself, um, I'm the front man for a band, and um, it's very it's very much so a similar situation. Talk to, talk to me what you think. <clears throat> like, what are your thoughts on leadership? How you should lead? What an effective leader looks like? You know. To, in your head, I'm imagining you have some idea, and that's what you try and embolize, or is that the emulate? Word? Emulate, yeah. yeah. That's where you, that's what you try to emulate. So, like, tell me what you th- what you feel or how you feel you you try to become that and what that is. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing. So, I feel like part of being a good leader is being able to handle stressful situations. Um, and, and honestly, like one of the, one of the traits I feel that great leaders have is they're, they're able to handle, you know, stressful situations and, and do so in a way that's like, you can still lead a team of people to where they're not freaking out, you know, cause you're calm, maybe internally, like things are going crazy, but you're, you're calm, you're collected. Um, well, that's, I that, gotta take that from him. Yeah. I'm sure it's distracting. Gibson, what are you doing? <laughs> I know you're so cute. You're so very, very cute. Uh-uh, uh-uh. We're gonna... Oh, no. Well, it's almost inevitable. But I'll do my best to pick it all up. Sorry to interrupt you, man. No, you're good. <laughs> Uncle Jake, <laughs> Uncle Jake, and I will will take care of you. Drop it. <laughs> oh, floppy it's dog! It's like he doesn't know where his <laughs> legs are. Um. All right. Yeah. Tell me about. Go back. So, <clears throat> a leader should be able to basically take confrontation. Uh, manage it. Man, show show calmness on the outside and be and like you're able to in uh, and then try and figure it out on the inside while you're showing this calmness on yeah. the outside yeah yeah so so like for instance um, when I when I left college I got a, my degree in construction management and uh, I got a job working for a commercial construction company um, my position was, um, I was a field engineer, um, but working my way up to be a superintendent. And so one of the biggest things that attracted me about that position in particular is that you have to be a problem solver and there, you've got to put out fires. That's, that's your job. You're putting out fires all day long. So you're handling stressful situations, but the best superintendents and the ones that get things done on time and on schedule are the ones that are able to handle those situations and remain collected and calm and 
be able to think things through. Um, because, you know, if your emotions are going and stuff, the people around you are going to be stressed out. The, the team that you're leading is going to be stressed out. So, you know, I, I do think that one of, the, one of the best traits of being a good leader is being able to handle yourself in stressful situations. And um, that's how, and then bringing that attitude, right, to the people that you're leading. That way they can deliver the best product that they are capable of doing. You know? what, what does a bad leader look like to you? I mean, I I would say somebody who's just kind of hot-headed, you know, um, which I know that there's a lot of that in this industry. There are people that are just like, you know, they lose their temper super, like, really quickly, and they're not enjoyable to be around, you know. And not to say that they're bad musicians, um, not to say that they're they're bad people, but... I don't think that you're able to get the most out of the people that you're leading if they're doing stuff out of fear that you're going to be upset, you know, which goes back to like the creativity. You know, when you're on stage, whether you, you've practiced this, the song a million times or you're just like kind of soloing and freestyling, you're, you're going to have the best result if you're calm, you're relaxed. And having that be present in all of your musicians is really important because that way, I mean, you're able to get the most out of them. The audience is able to get the most out of the experience because the product is so, you know, it's just, it's, it's the best that your musicians can do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a bad leader, I feel like somebody who, who can't handle maybe stressful situations. Also somebody who maybe doesn't keep their word, you know, which is something that I, something that I continue to try to work on is being somebody of character, maintaining integrity, following through on commitments, um, and being somebody that people can trust. And, uh, you know, that's another characteristic I feel like of being a good leader is, is being somebody that people can trust and, and rely on and count on. I mean, those are, yeah, those are good qualities. I like how you describe <clears throat> what I was going to see is if a good leader to you is something, somebody that handles emotions and conflict well, <clears throat> where... I was, I wanted to see if you changed like what a bad leader is, you know, that's not, I, I didn't, I wanted to see if you're going to go the emotional route for the bad leader. Cause some people, um, they have the idea of what a good leader is. And it's like a lot of times it's a, it's emotional. Right. And then the bad leader, sometimes they give other examples, like non-emotional right. examples. And I think those those situations are interesting because it's like you value one so high yet it's not the opposite like you right. in the good leader you value their emotional control so high and if you change your emotional control like it if that's not what it is for a bad leader to have mm -hmm. that it's i like to see the mindset on that but right. you're, you're sticking to it emotional control <laughs> i think it's i think it's good is uh what do you think has helped you the most uh like 
getting to that emotional control any past experience like times that you were in you know sports mm. football essentially and and um any construction like i don't i don't know what yeah. what has helped you what are what situations has helped you like develop that well i think um you know having experience in doing something that's performance based um will automatically give you provide with whoever provide you with the with the tools that you need to be able to handle stressful situations when they come up so like when i was doing track and field um and it's i feel like part of it's really it is different when you're on a football field because you're working with a team but specifically with the track like either if you don't show up if you don't if you don't uh compete to the best of your ability like no one's there to save you it's that's 100 percent on you so uh in that in that way i feel like you know doing track and field especially in college when the stakes were were high to a degree um i was with uh you know the florida track and field team when i transferred there um they were uh when i when i transferred they were the number one track and field school in the country um and i my job was to be able to compete with people to be able to score points you know for uh sec championships and all that stuff and you know <coughs> it didn't quite go as planned i don't think i did as well as i wanted to um but through that process um learning how to take some disappointment and some stress when i was competing and just like all right well i have to throw this far or else i'm not going to score points i'm going to let the team down um being able to maintain my a certain level of calmness in that uh really helped me to be able to carry that to where i'm at now where i'm doing it with a team of guys and I'm leading them to do, you know, to perform just like I was performing in track and field uh or any other sport. Um same goes with work, you know. It was the same deal. There were stressful days. I had to maintain my uh I, I had to stay calm. Yeah. Um to be able to think things through uh and work problems out and that helped me to get to where I am right now too. So Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. <coughs> do you think what kind of accountability do you hold your band to? Well, I mean we like to have a good time and and I think having fun is is incredibly important. Um but, you know, I I essentially I expect them to show up just like I do and give the audience and the people watching the best experience possible. I think and we owe it to the people that book us to do these shows too. Um so it can be hard for me at times when I'm working with people um 
you know, let's say I have filler musicians or something. And I, and I will say that the guys that I, that I typically use, they always show up. I'm so thankful for that. But I've worked with musicians that are just kind of like, whatever, you know, it's not, it's, this is not a big deal at all. Um, let's just get the next three hours over with, um, which is hard for me, you know, because, um, you know, people expect like, maybe they just expect the singer to like be the one who's high energy and like work in the crowd, but it also falls on the musicians as well. And if you're not showing up like ready to do your job and stay in your lane, like I'm probably not gonna wanna work with you again. You know, it's just unprofessional. So I do, I do hold them to that standard, but the great thing about it is like, I've never felt like I've needed to say anything to the guys that I typically work with because they've been so unbelievably good, you know, and they love what they do, which makes it so much better. You know, the energy on stage is, is, is great because all these guys love music and they just want to be there um, and really produce the best product. And, uh, you know, they're kind of hard on themselves too, which I don't, uh, I don't think is a terrible thing. Um, they're perfectionists and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, I'm glad you found somebody or like a group of people that <clears throat> you like to make some noise with. Mm -hmm. What's been your like hardest time down here in Nashville and how, how long <coughs> you've been here? I've been here for about a year and a half. Now. Year and a half. <coughs> yeah. What's well, like one, one of the hardest experiences? Uh, maybe a low moment or like, you know, just some, any, anything that's been like something when it's happened, you're like, fuck. Yeah. And you like, you feel it for a while. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say I'm probably currently going through the hardest time right now um you know i left my job a couple months ago to to really do this full time congratulations by the way yeah and i i i say that really appreciating it because you know to when people when i would tell people i moved to nashville you know everybody's like oh congratulations and this guy last night mitch he actually explained to me really well he's like look anybody can just pick up and move anywhere but it's 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 to follow the dream, what you're yeah. doing. And I say congratulations when you say, <clears throat> I decided to quit my job and like, mm -hmm. try and do this full time because it is also a leap. Right. It's a leap. Yeah. 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 It, it took, took some faith um, for sure just to make the decision. And, you know, I even probably about two weeks in, I was like ready to back out. I was like, maybe I should just go ask for my job back. You know, this is ridiculous. Like, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to take care of things financially? And not only that, but like now the pressure's on me too, because I've got, um, you know, I'm working with guys that they need gigs. And, and um, if I'm saying that this is my full-time thing now, like I've got to do my absolute best to get gigs, to get things that, create revenue and income and uh, 
and so yeah the pressure was pressure's on so um eventually you know probably about yeah two or three weeks in i was like man i don't know if i made the decision maybe i made a bad one um but eventually i just was like you know what this is what i'm doing you know and i might fall flat on my face but like this is this is what I'm this is what I'm doing. How long have you been doing gigs? Not just here, but anywhere. <clears throat> um. My first gig. Was. It was, uh, 2019, I think. So, yeah, three years now. Where's that? Was was that in Nash? Uh, that was in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Um. I had a uh, a roommate and a good friend of mine set me up with a uh, with a tiny tiny gig at this uh, at like an animal conservancy thing, so it was kind of an obscure uh, event, but nevertheless they needed live music and up until that point I had just been playing guitar in my room and my roommates could hear me and they were like you know. Every now and then we'd have like a fire, people over, and they'd say, Jake, bring the guitar out, sing, whatever. And so that opportunity came up, and I took it, and it was an absolute train wreck. Like, I was so nervous, and I was sweating. I was, my voice was shaking, and I would forget lines to, to songs, and instead of just moving along, I would stop in the middle of the song, and I'd either pause and wait until I remembered the lines, or I'd start the song over. It was so bad. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, uh, you know, I don't know what your, your first uh, performance was like, but Dude. I don't know if, I can't imagine it could have been worse than that. <laughs> Dude, that's a rough one right there. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you also, it sounds like you had more songs than just like, my first one was an open mic. Okay. But, so it sounds like your first one, it, you had more than just, three songs yeah like, i had i had to play two hours worth of music right away like dear lord yeah it was uh well i think back on it now i'm like i probably should have eased myself into it more than that but but now hey it, it made you it fueled some kind of fire yeah you know yeah well because you know after i was done man i was like oh that was so bad but i'm gonna do it again yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just like I got the itch and I started doing um some smaller shows at uh local bar in Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh and we were you know, I had, you know, a little a handful of uh performances under my belt before moving to Nashville. Yeah. Um but it's so crazy, you know everything leading up to the move to Nashville because I didn't grow up ever thinking that I'd do music. What made you want to choose Nashville? Like what made you want to come here and do music when you could have went anywhere with your degree really, you know? Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, following that performance in, in Florida, I started, uh, you know, started to get a little bit of an itch for music, but it wasn't anything severe yet. Um, and then 
you know, I tried songwriting. I gave it a shot and I wrote like a song um, and I was like, well, honestly, for my first song, it's not bad. I played it for some friends and stuff and they were like, man, that's really good. Um, which of course it's your friends. They're going to say whatever that, you know, they're going to blow smoke up. Can you play that one for me again? Like, yeah, exactly. So, but, um, no, I started getting into songwriting and eventually I started writing a ton and I was writing, writing songs, writing songs, writing songs. And then, you know, senior year came around, which COVID happened and all of my classes were online and uh and up until that point i was a great like great student um you know really hard working and i still was up you know i graduated with uh with honors and i was a good student but i, I started to realize something is that i stopped paying attention in my classes because i was mm. songwriting I was writing songs like when class was going on, I would just mute it. And, and um, there was such a strong pull to like the, like the creative side of me was like really like wanting to get out, I feel like. And um, after, after I nearly failed the class um, and had to, almost had to do another semester in college because I needed this class to graduate after being a great student for years. Um, I was like, well, I think there might be something more to this music thing than I'm giving it credit. So um, I've got a couple options. I can either, you know, live in Florida. I didn't want to move back to New Hampshire. I can either stay in Florida, I can work a job and I can continue to like do music on the side and always wonder what would have happened if I had actually tried to pursue it. Or while I have no ties to, to Florida or, or anywhere in particular, I can get a job in Nashville where, um, you know, I'll really find out if this is something that I could do. And, you know, that's the decision I made I chose to do. I visited Nashville a year before I moved. I was here for two days. The second I was like, the second I saw, you know, Nashville, Tennessee on the highway sign and I saw the city in the horizon, I was like, yeah, this is where I'm going to be. This is yeah. where I'm going to move, you know? So what was your first time here? Like those first two days, what did you do? Oh, um, well, I was lucky enough to have a buddy of mine that, uh, good friend of mine came down to visit so I wasn't you know wandering the streets alone but we were kind of exploring the city um checking out music row you know uh taking pictures in front of all the uh record label houses and publishing houses and stuff and um checked out downtown went to Prince's hot chicken absolutely got destroyed by their hot chicken which I will never do that again yeah, <laughs> I, I had no idea. I don't even mess with the wild <laughs> stuff. They're mild stuff, man. It's too hot for me. I literally, so I got, so when we when we went there, it was the heat of the summer. It was like 100 degrees out. So hot chicken. Yeah. Like, it's hot. Yeah, it's I'm hot. I'm already sweating. 
So. And we showed up to Prince's, and there was no air conditioning in the place. So, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just get like the medium, you know, what like in the middle. Yeah. Like it can't be that hot. It was the hottest thing I've ever eaten in my life. It's insane. Yeah. How like the fact that there's levels higher yeah. blows my mind. I know. At, not that there can't be. Like I can understand that the ability to have it that hot is capable. But the want, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't for somebody to be like, I want to put that in my body. Well, I don't understand it. I have sweet receptors. Like I love things yeah. that are sweet, so I like that honey barbecue. I like mm -hmm. it a little hot, but I guess that's flipped it off on some yeah. people, and they're like, no, 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 burn me, make it hot, yeah, <clears throat> clear, clear my nostrils or something. Dude, too. Dude. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we we kind of explored the city for a couple of days. And rode around on bird scooters and stuff. Yeah. It was fun, um, and uh, yeah, took some took some pictures outside of the various, you know, Country Music Hall of Fame. And um, of course, COVID was still happening at the time, so they were closed. You know, I think they were only open for like two or three days a week, mm. so we didn't get a chance to check that out. But um, yeah, you know, had a good time in the city. Checked Broadway out. It was fun. But I just kind of knew. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what you want. Yeah, this yeah, is what yeah. I want to do. I feel that, man. They, uh, have, have you ever played or seen Knockin' Boots in Gainesville? Yes. That was my go-to place. No way. Yeah. All right. So we played a show there with Lane Hardy. Did you really? Yeah. I remember when he came. Uh, I didn't go to the show. But okay, I, yeah. I remember seeing the the flyers and stuff for it um, yeah so you were there with them yeah wow we yeah we drove down from pennsylvania it was <clears throat> it was really fun it was a wild trip to say the least but yeah we played show with them there man that place that's a fun place like in the middle of gainesville yeah <clears throat> it's yeah. yeah it's a great it's a great spot and then we went across the street to the top there's some like taco place there's like a little mexican like hangout on the wall yep literal and did really great tacos fantastic yeah. tacos yeah the uh let me see here I'm trying to remember the name of it but we'd go so essentially my thursday friday night routine i would get together with my with you know my guys my teammates and friends and we go line dancing at knocking boots yeah, every dude. every thursday and friday and almost each, almost after every night, we'd go to that taco place across the street. We'd get tacos. Um, they got, like, a really great dessert, creme de leche or something like Ooh, that. okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, place is fire. Dude, it was really good. I, <clears throat> sorry, I can't believe how loud. Um, so we parked our bus in the, there's a, parking lot like when you walk out one of the side doors I think I can't remember what side it was but there's a parking lot across the street it was like a gravel one mm -hmm. and we parked there tried to sleep for the night it was so loud yeah insane <laughs> no, it no. was like it was Mardi Gras <laughs> yeah in the, at 12 a.m. and I'm yes. like this is like this is what's happening yeah yeah insane I we could not sleep to say the least and whew. that's cool yeah honestly funny oddly enough um when I moved here, I played, I did the uh, 
open mic at the Bluebird. Oh yeah. And um, there was a uh, a girl standing in line uh, waiting to to play. Um, she had got a slot that night as well. And uh, and I and I seen I'm looking at her talking to somebody, and I swear that I've seen her face before. And uh, so I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. I'm like, wait a minute. I think I saw her audition on American Idol, which oddly enough oh. was she auditioned with Lane Hardy. Oh, she, no way. So the, so the season that he won, uh, she was with him, and they did a dual audition. And he ended up winning it that year. Um, and, and since then, we've, uh, me and that girl, Ashton, uh, Ashton Brooke Gill, um, we've done some work together. She was in a movie. Uh, I did some music for it. Um, and she, she actually lives with my girlfriend. They're roommates. What? Yeah, so they live here in this complex, too. How yeah. is this happening? How I don't do know. know not how, <laughs> I mean, not like I know everybody that comes and yeah. goes, but that's wild. You, you would have figured, I don't know. Yeah. That's cool. But to my point, she was very good friends with Lane. Yeah. So that's cool that you got that. That's a, how did you end up scoring that gig? Fucking hustling, man. Yeah. It's really, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Like emailing and, or like really trying to get, so Vivid Sky, they turned it into, I think yeah. it, is what they call, call it now. Vivid Nightclub. That was yeah. the management company of that, of, of Knockin' Boots. Right. So they just have the same name now. But I just messaged them, kept messaging them. I was like, hey, do you need an opener here? Like this one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, they finally said yes. And I was like, sweet. And then they were going to have us back for, oh, they threw some summer party. <clears throat> and it was, it was, I think the guy's name, he's like a local down there, I guess. His name's Steven or something. He's a bald guy. Bald guy okay. with glasses, a uh, little goatee must like goatee thing. He sounds good. I thought his name was Austin. It might be something else. Or Steve. Um, okay. I don't know. But he was, um, we we're going to do it with them. And then we had something come up in close to our hometown opening. Mm-hmm. So we just went with that instead. But yeah, That's cool. Was, Small world, man. Dude, I love it. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the country music world is yeah. relatively small, you know, but. That's very true. Everybody knows everybody most of the time. So did you meet, how does Ashton, 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 yes. And Gracie, do you call her Gracie or Grace? Sometimes I call her Gracie. All right. Well, how did how did those two meet? Uh, it was through, um, well, it was actually through me. Okay. Um, so, uh, I had known Ashton before I met uh, my girlfriend, Grace, and um, and uh, Ashton would come. She she lived in Louisiana up until about a month ago, mm. and uh, so she would come to Nashville maybe once every other month or so, just for music stuff. She had some connections here since doing the Idol thing. Um, she she made some cool connections in Nashville. She would come and play shows and stuff. So she was here doing that thing, uh, you know, playing a show, doing some co-writes and stuff. And so we linked up together and I had been uh, with, you know, I'd been dating uh, Grace at that point. So we all got together. Uh, I think we went to uh, 
like third and Lindsley to see like a cover band or something. And those two kind of just hit it off. And um, mm. yeah, so very uh, similar personalities, just like, you know, very sweet girls and yeah, it just works, so. I've never seen your girl, your girlfriend or Ashton before, but one, Ashton sounds like she's a, she has blonde hair. She has brown hair, actually. Brown hair? Yeah, she wow. does. Okay. Brown hair. And Grace yeah. sounds like she has brown hair. Grace has blonde hair. Man. <laughs> you got it. You got it wrong. No, I, got that. <laughs> I got that backwards. No, that's all right. And does Grace do anything in music? No. Um, well, her dad is actually a musician. Um, Down here or where she's from? No. She's, well, she's from uh, Minnesota. Oh, and, man. Uh, but her dad is a uh, southern gospel singer. Oof. So he would come to Nashville about once a year, and he would record uh, southern gospel albums and stuff. Dude, and so, that's pretty wild. And so she would join, you know, she would uh, she would go with him, and they would go together as a family. Um, she's actually featured on a couple of his, uh, you know, CDs and albums and stuff, so she can sing. Hell yeah. But she's working for TikTok right now. She's doing like for TikTok. For TikTok, yeah. She she's doing content mediation for them. What is that? So was content mediation. So anytime a video gets flagged, yeah. um, she has to review it and see whether it's against TikTok's policy or not. So it's not like you know, she's not doing marketing or something. But yeah, uh, she has been talking with her bosses about. Um, they're pretty impressed with her work, so. She may yeah. be in the marketing position at some point here, but uh, do you ever get tips from her? Like, honestly, no. Damn. Yeah, she. Uh, Locked box. I mean, because it's, because, you know, where the the area that she's working in. Is so specific, to where I I don't feel like she would. I don't know if she has the information or the knowledge at the moment to like really give me sound advice on like what could make a video pop. You know what I mean? Yeah. If she was in marketing, I would say she'd probably know about that and about their algorithms and stuff. Dude, slightest clue. I don't know. Yeah. Just the slightest clue. Like <clears throat> we just need one, just one video has to hit. You know, I, <laughs> is it, are, how did you, how did you take to social media as far as becoming an artist? Like, how was your transition into it? Yeah, so um, actually at the moment, I've been laying pretty low. Um, I started working with uh, management, and uh, the advice I've been given is to, at the moment, lay pretty low on the socials, um, build a catalog of songs, and then when the time that you know we've got things recorded I don't have anything out yet yeah so when the time comes that we've got things recorded and we'll start putting it on platforms then you know social media is going to be a huge part of that so and you know potentially working with somebody who specializes in that uh, could be really beneficial for me um, but in the meantime I mean I've posted videos of me singing um, I try, you know, I'm not great at like posting every day or every week, but, um, 
just kind of keeping people informed about what's going on. That's kind of what I'm using social media for at the moment. Um, if I got a gig, I'll throw it up on my story. Um, if a performance goes really well and there's some cool snippet of it, um, I'll throw it up there on social media. So yeah. Or if I get like a song idea that's just like, this is cool. I think I could run with it, and I'll throw it up and just get a general consensus of what people kind of think. So, um, I'm not as heavily involved in it as I will be within the next year or so, but um, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Man, yeah, it's it's hard. It's not an easy transition <clears throat> in, uh, I would think, from where you're at right now to where you want to get to. So, man, I, I mean, depending on your campaign goals, like right. the, depending on what you want to do. But I'll tell you, like, you got to get it in your system. Yes. For, sure. You know, it's tough because for a while, even while you have something to promote, you know, you're like... What am I doing? Like, right. do I need to do this one? Like, okay. <clears throat> Truthfully, it's just like it's just something you gotta do, right? Yep. That's the thing is, uh, it's so it's so heavily relied on yeah. by the people following you. Like, they want to see, like, they want to know what's going on. Yeah. And they want to know what's going on in Jake's life. They want to know what's going on in Garrett's life. Um, they want to know when you're playing. And if you come up with a badass song, like, they want to hear it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having – there is a business side of things. So, like, if you do write a song that's amazing and it's great and you know it's going to be on, you know it's going to be released or something, it may or may not be in your best interest to, like, post it on social media for the sake of like keeping people on the edge of their seats. But that's like a decision that you got to make based on what you think is best for that song and for you as an artist. So it is like, there's so much to know, you know, there's so much to, to learn about how to do things right in regard to social media and marketing yourself. Uh, it can definitely be overwhelming at times and sometimes just kind of annoying. You're just like, I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to post this. Like, but you kind of need to, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's important. You got to market yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly right, man. And I think somebody told me uh, to look at TikTok as a way to, it's just commercials. Right. Like you're running a new commercial for whoever's going to see it. So you want to get their attention. And I'm like, yeah, makes sense. Yep. It's crazy. We talked a little earlier about co-writes. Yes. And <clears throat> what a lot of people don't understand, it, I mean, they can get it after I say this, like if they never thought about it before, Nashville is a, a network town. Yep. You have to know, like in order to create emotionally good songs, you need to be able to, feel safe and feel open 
in that co-write relationship. Right. And without that, <clears throat> you like you said before, you might still write a good song, mm -hmm. but you know some of the better ones that you feel feel good about are with it, you know, amongst friends, right? Or amongst people you can be open with. Yep. And yeah, it's crazy. So I I don't know if you've you talked a little bit about it. I don't yeah. know what I just wrote down. Co-writes, but yeah. Tell me your thoughts on it. Like yeah, the that like initial it's really like some people treat it as a business mm -hmm. and it's very cold and upfront right. and some some it's like a relationship right yeah they're um well at the end of the day you're talking about um creativity and being able to create something and i feel like your goal as a songwriter is to create an experience for, you know, yourself and the people listening, people that are going to hear your music, um, and, and, and paint a picture and tell a story. And those are all things that are incredibly hard to do with somebody that you don't feel connected with. Ooh, that's a great, <clears throat> you know, that's very, it's, very true. It's not impossible, but it's, it's really hard. And you might, kind of like you, what you were saying earlier today, which, I, which is why I think this podcast is, is a great idea. Um, uh, you know, not wasting time in a co-write um, when you don't know that person. And it's just like, take, take some time might be more beneficial for the song that you're going to write to spend an hour just to get to know the person you're writing with before you start writing. Because otherwise, you're kind of like, you don't know who this person is. You don't know what their story is. Um, you might be, you know, throwing stuff at the wall, hoping that it sticks. But it doesn't have to be like that. You know, you can really, if you take the time to get to know this person, you can kind of understand like, what do they feel connected to? What are their passions? And then write something about that. Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier and it's so much a, of a uh, better experience on both ends that, I, and, and you just get a better product, I feel like. You definitely do. It's tough, I mean, you know, you have to be okay with yourself too you know as a songwriter uh okay with <clears throat> okay with changing the way you think sometimes or just being able to have a conversation with yourself honestly and and receive your own feedback sometimes mm -hmm. is important because you don't there are some people there are some writers um that you've probably met or had rights with where it's like they're not open really open to anything and they don't know how to communicate that so you're it's it's like you'll be pitching ideas and it's just like shut down shut down shut down right and you're, yes. like, you're like okay i get it and and in the end it's almost like you know they wanted to write this song sometimes it's okay so like i'll, I'll give you an example I'm gonna kind of 
what was it name uh drop some drop some names here okay and i wrote with walker hayes once and you know he had this idea for the song and uh you ever hear of lindsey rhymes um, so, so another incredible songwriter right yep how i got hooked up with this right fucking wild <laughs> um anyway so he we were all writing together and I had this little riff that I pitched and was like, oh my God, that's great for the song. And like, he kept going and he had this, his own idea. He knew what he wanted to write. He just had to get it out himself. Um, but then he kind of gave, I was like, Hey man, can you give me some like pointers or whatever after the write? Like how'd I do? He's like, honestly, dude, I had this, this lot, this song in my head. You did the best you did. You could, cause like you read, He's like, you, thankfully you read that like I was trying to piece it out my own. And all you did was like pitch little ideas, little changes, like, oh, you said this, do you want to say that? Or like a little thing. Mm -hmm. He's like, you, you did it better than what I was hoping. And he's like, sometimes that's all it needs. Sometimes somebody comes in with something in their head and like knows it right away. They mm -hmm. just need to write it down. And sometimes it's a, it's a process right. that needs to get teased out. And I don't know, it's, it's having that, it's a weird op openness with yourself, and, but you have to be able to communicate what you want in that mm -hmm. moment or like to what you want it to look like. Right. Yeah. It's, I heard this out the other day on TikTok, uh, TikTok too. They were talking about code writing. You know, sometimes somebody, somebody might be feeling the song should go a different way than this way. And he's like, you have to have the confidence to, and if the, to be like, this, I would like to cut this song. Right. And if I want to cut this song, I want it to go this way. Right. You know, or an idea like this idea is one that I would like to, to record. Right. So I want it. I would like it to go this way, because sometimes there's a there's an awkwardness that if you don't express that, you know, you're kind of going, you're slowly going too apart from each other, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Yep. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. And something I've never even really taken in consideration. It's like but it makes perfect sense, you know, establishing who is this song for. Yeah. You know, and there's a ton of people that will write will say, I wanna write a let's write a Luke Combs song. Let's write a song for, you know, I don't know, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan or something. Um and having that idea to start off with uh, saves a lot of head scratching because it's like, all right, well, we know what these guys or gals have done before in their past mm -hmm. and understanding the artistry and the music and wanting to stay in line with that. We, we kind of already have like, you know, a template for what the song is going to be. So really good point. Um, definitely going to start using that of like who are we writing this for is this for yeah. me is this for you is this for somebody else and then allowing and that to lead the way yeah and sometimes sometimes the answer is you don't know right. but if it's an idea like if you have an idea some some ideas were like oh, i want to keep that in writing yeah. you know if that idea is for you then you then you should have the say on how you feel the song should go. Right. Um, 
if it's for the other person, you know, be like, this is your, you know, this is yours. You, you tell me what you want. We, we'll write it. But yeah, the writing for others <clears throat> for like, like how would Zach Bryan sing this or Zach Brown? Mm-hmm. Oh, Zach Bryan too. But like, but how would these guys sing it? Is, is a cool creative venture as well. Right. Trying to put yourselves in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and at, when you first start writing, that's how you write. Yep. I, I, that's how I feel because you don't know who Jake Matthew is. Right. You don't know. I don't know who Gary Schultz is until you start writing and you're like, oh, I like these songs. Oh, I like doing this more. Mm. Like, it, it's crazy. But those are the type of conversations you have to have. Yeah. Have to be able to have with yourself and with a, a, a co-write. You know, it's. It's a it's a wild wild world, and the I think what we well how we got into it is because we were talking about going out or whatever, and mm-hmm. somebody came up to you or people come up to you, and you exchange like you exchange all the time, and a lot of times it's like hey man we should write together, mm-hmm. and you're like, and maybe it's at a round where you've heard a few of their songs, and right. you're like you're like dude I love your songs, yep. or like I love your vibe, um, I've never until recently. I never took the importance of building that relationship first and, mm. and being able to do it. And it's, it is good. Um, and it, and it helps a lot so much, but it's just, sometimes you get into the business mode down here and you're right. like, you're like, I just need to write. You just know in your head that you need to write. Right. And so you're trying to put everything out. Yeah. I mean, um, and that, that, that can be a hard thing to navigate. Um, because there are a ton of people that are business minded when it comes to this stuff and it don't like, <clears throat> which I've met a lot of those people. And for me, it's a hard thing for me to like work with people like that particularly because of, I feel like music specifically music or you know really any sort of entertainment but music and especially music because you're telling a story um you start working working with people that are so business-minded it takes like it takes the emotion away from the story that you're trying to tell and then you just end up with you know you might end up with a song that goes number one on the radio. Who knows? You know, it could happen. Mm-hmm. But can you say as an artist that that song went number one on the radio? But can you honestly say that you're that's something that you were proud of? Like proud to make? Yeah. And I think that's what music's about. It's like you got to be writing things that... Um, you know, it's important to network and you got to be able to pay your bills and that's great and all. But if you're an artist that's trying to be an artist and trying to become a better artist, like you've got to know why you're doing it. Is it, is it for business or is it to really produce music that's transcendent and can really like change people's lives and, and touch people in certain ways that 
a lot of the music out there right now just doesn't. Um, and I think that the good news is, is that people are sort of starting to crave that again in yeah. music. You know, they yeah. want they want the beef, they want the meat, they want to like have something to chew on. Like, dang, that I feel that. Dude, you know, you're you're right. It, I feel you can feel it again. Yeah, you can feel it definitely coming back. I feel like it's a. I don't know. I feel like it's a rock movement. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something. It almost feels like uh, like Nirvana y, mm-hmm. kind of like 90s rock, uh, like emo rock type stuff. Right. And it's cool because when you take a look at like guys like Zach Bryan and Tyler Childers who are leading this like more meaningful route. <clears throat> right. That's how I, that's what, who I see doing it. But when you, when you look at them, it's like a, it's like a very emo country, like, rock vibe i don't know it's it's cool i like the way it's going it is cool um it's bringing emotion back into music yeah um which not every song has to be super emotional it can be fun um but even that like even in the fun songs you're channeling your emotions you're just like the happy emotions yeah and you're you know stomping your foot and you're like okay and it's good to have those waves of right super fun and like super caring super right. drinking song yeah super love making song like you you need those you need that variety right which i love about music is that you can go you can go in any direction with it um even even like the drinking songs like you can have drinking songs that are fun you don't really have to think about it too much but it like there's still like meaning behind the words you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah um and that's a really i feel like that can be a tough thing to do so like m- create a song to where like yeah you can be driving and it's just a cool driving song or you know stomp your boots or whatever but then you start listening to the lyrics and it's like whoa that was really clever how yeah. he, how oh. he did that you know what i mean yeah. like that's really cool and then you start to internalize like those are the kind of songs that will you know stand the test of time yeah um so i love you know i love that about music um but i do think that you know back to my point i think that uh music in of itself uh it's got to have like some level of emotion in it. You know, it can't just be like, let me throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Like the good songs, the songs that people are going to remember 30 years from now are the ones that you took the time. You, you wrote them with your heart. It doesn't have to be like a sad or like a ballad. It could be a super fun song, but you took the time and you focused on that song. You know what I mean? It's not just like, let me throw up on a piece of paper and here you yeah. go. Here you go, you know, record label. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's writing, right? The whole music business is wild. Yeah. It's, and it's, and you know, rightfully so, it's not easy. Um, 
it sucks. It's always it. You know how it's crazy when like the creative process has the business beside it. It's almost as awkward when the business has to have a creative side Mm -hmm. to it. And I mean, I don't know too many situations where the business has to be creative. Like, oh, let me give an example. How like all of the like big companies during Pride Month change their change all their things to rainbow and you're like mm-hmm. if you really cared you know i'm sure you wouldn't just identify with anything like just for a month right like, it's awkward because you're clearly doing it for like just just because it's good for optics right you know just and it, that's how rights are going are sometimes where mm-hmm. you write a song just because of optics because yeah. you're like oh people like drinking or people like partying oh people like what, yeah. what are the like what are like some of the stereotypes in a song trucks Truck. uh, drinking whiskey i can't tell you how many songs i've written i so i've never drank i've yep. never drank and i just never was interested but like I always felt a little weird about writing songs about whiskey. Mm-hmm. I've never had it, yep. you know? I don't feel, if it's for me, like I don't necessarily feel bad all the time, mm-hmm. but it's, it's weird for me that people automatically want to go to whiskey. Yeah, It's like writing songs with alcohol is like, it's like a need. It's right. like there's something where they're like, okay, and uh, here's the ad lib line for drinking, <laughs> just to fill a requirement. You know? All right. I don't know. Sometimes it's it's funny. It's funny like that. Well, um, and I think that goes to the point that we were both making. Is like that's why I think getting to know somebody in a right is so important because when you show up with somebody you don't know. You only like there's only so many so many tools that you have in your toolbox, right? yeah. And most people will resort to the drinking or uh, the truck driving. Well, within country music, you know, all yeah. that all that stuff that is associated with country music. Because outside of that, if you don't know the person, you really don't have much else to work with. But you get to know somebody, and instead of walking up to them and say hey, let's write, and then the next day you're writing and you don't know the person, say, hey, let's grab a beer sometime. Let me get to know you. And then maybe extend the invitation after that. It's like, um, you know, I love your story. Let's 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 find something to write about. Yeah. That's not driving trucks, drinking beer, Yeah. which are fun songs, and they can be really fun to write, but do you, do you want to, like, I don't know. I guess you kind of got... You got to decide what kind of artist you're going to be. Yeah. You know? I was just going to say, it's, you know, a question is like, how many songs does there need to be like that? And the answer is, well, apparently a lot. Because yeah. there are a lot of songs <laughs> that are just like that. And yeah. people, the, you know what blows my mind? Is that people love those songs and, and they can't get enough of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. It blows my mind because... You, you'll hear a good song, like a, a really well-written song. It's like a, it's the consumer thing, right? Because, mm-hmm. and I think that's how, how this business started booming. Because right. for some reason, 
Luke Bryan or like Big and Rich or, or somebody figured it out that if country artists write these like drinking anthems, things are going to go crazy. Right. Like if people, there are, there's a, a population of people that connect with it and they're mm-hmm. like, hey, this is fucking awesome. And, it, and it's crazy because they'll take it one, one song after another mm-hmm. that sounds super similar and it's just that code. They're like writing, they're like, this works. Right. Why would I change anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what we're kind of seeing too is like that works for a long time. I don't know if it's working anymore. Yeah. You know? I, I think people um, are sniffing it out, you know? Um, which is wild because, um, and that's something about the music industry that I've just started to learn about is a number one on the radio may not be an accurate reflection of how many people really want to hear that song. You know, there's a lot of um, monopolization within the uh, music industry. And, you know, specific to the country music industry, there's a lot of um, songs that probably shouldn't be a number one on the radio that somehow are. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I go back to the streaming. You know, I think that is such... It's a blessing. It's a blessing and it's a curse because it makes it harder to have an income on music. You know, it's not things are not the same the way explain explain why it's harder because of streaming well it's such a saturated market now you know because anybody can put something up on spotify right but because of that um since there are so many you know hundreds of thousands millions of people that are putting stuff out on spotify um it saturates the market. It makes it harder for, for somebody to collect an income off of streaming. You know, back in the day when you had a handful of people that were playing on the radio, you could make a lot of money just on radio play because there was, you know, a handful of people that were actually making it to the radio. But now you have stuff like Spotify and Apple Music where anybody can put something out on there. And automatically, that makes it more challenging to have an, to make an income off of streaming, um, unless you have you know fifty million, a hundred million streams on a song. So you're comparing radio, and and the difference between like the radio gig and the streaming gig, right? Yep. I would argue that it's actually easier. I would. Now, now, hear me out. Let's say streaming didn't exist. Where would Jake Matthew be? And I'm not saying just specifically you, because there's tons of us down here, right? But how, let me phrase it this way, how hard would it still be to get a number one or to get traction? Yes, I agree that that would be, it, it is harder. It was harder back in the day to be noticed, right? And the deals that were made are about the same today. Like when you do like a little comparison, probably back then that 
industry side, the business side made more money than the creative side. Um, but I, th I think, I think social media really helped close that gap. Right. In order for you now, in, in order for us to make a living doing that, I right. think it's, I think if you were in your position 20 years ago, or like the 15, you would be worse off than you are now. I would, I agree to an extent. So what I was touching on, and this is, this is kind of, this is my opinion, you know, um, oh, yeah, dude. but I think that it's easier to be noticed now that we have so many avenues to be noticed on like social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, you have Spotify, Apple music, you can be noticed. Absolutely. I guess what I'm saying is, is that the dollar symbols attached to how many times your song is streamed cannot be compared to the dollar symbols attached to back in the day when people's songs were played on the radio, right? So like I could have a million streams and make, you know, 500 bucks or something on Spotify. I don't know if that's the exact, but I know it's really low. I mean, you're making pennies, like fractions of pennies per stream compared to when you had radio time, you could be making quite a bit of money off of your radio time if you had, right? If you were, if you were in the, if you were in the means of making money off of it, if you weren't like, you know, if you had a record deal that was good and you could make a decent amount of money per each airplay time. Um, okay, I got it. And I know, I, I see what you're saying. I want you to remember the same it's you're saying that the radio paid out more and you were able to have a living off of that, right? If you got on that. I would say it would probably easier and this is my assumption. I was never on the radio back in the day. I don't know anybody that was. But just based on what I've heard, people could make a good living if they're if they didn't have, you know, a terrible record deal. They could make a good living based on their airplay on radio. What makes you say they, they can't today? Off I'm, the radio. So I think that they, I think that they can on the radio, but I'm saying that when it comes to streaming, if you're, if, if you're only talking about streaming, it's like having, ra having radio play, I guess would be more lucrative than like your streaming. I think, are you trying to say the value of somebody listening to your to our songs has monetarily gone down so like the the penny the like 
Yes. I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think wording it as it's harder to make a living is correct. But I do agree that the value of a, of a stream of a listen, because it's so available has gone down. Yep. It's that supply and demand, you know, of right. course before there's no other way to listen to songs unless you buy their CD or you listen to them on the radio. For sure. Now it's so available that that market value has to go down. It's, you know, right. supply and demand now. Where I think it's actually a beautiful thing. Beautiful in a way that it opens up another avenue is because now we can take, we have a share in the market value. Now. Mm -hmm. Ned, we didn't before. When it was just radio, we didn't have shit. Right. Right. We had live shows and we could sell CDs there, sure. But now it's like, now I can create my own empire online without using radio and, and guess what when i get big enough radio is going to call me yep. labels are going to call you so it's i think i think yeah the value of the of creating a song has gone down because so many people can do it now it's it's become like a a, a quick like turnkey industry right unfortunate but now we can and i think this is even comes back to that poetry and songs like the more meaningful songs are coming out we can take charge and and build our own audience right and then when 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 the big wigs do call when Nashville does call right you have more market value so when you're sitting at the table you're like this is the deal and and they're like that's a fair deal right you know versus like hey this is what we're going to offer you and you know, you actually have bargaining chips at the table instead of not having any. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. And I guess more of what I was hitting on there was, like you were saying, that the, um, you the, know, the, the songs, value, yeah. the value of each song. Yeah. Has gone down. And I would say that that, that would be like, my only complaint about streaming because everything else that you're saying, I mean, pretty much everything that you said is correct. It's like about streaming and how, how marketable you can become now. Yeah. Um, and I think, which is one of the, the best things that I love about streaming is it gives you a very real representation of like how popular a certain song is. Um, yeah. Compared to like, what's being played on the radio may not be an accurate reflection of like what people actually want to hear. You know, there's a lot of business involved in like what gets played on radio and what doesn't and who makes those decisions. And it's not necessarily the public, mm -hmm. right? It's people that are working in the, you know, working for these radio stations that decide what music gets played on and, and, you know, having a record label who's very good at, like, reaching out to radio stations and, like, you know, those are having those connections as a record label is something that is really valuable to have when you're an artist and you have a record label that can represent you in that way. Um, but you look at streaming, and I think, you know, I don't hear Zach Bryan on the radio. I don't hear... Tyler Childers on the radio, but their streams are like crazy. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, they they could go up against like, you know, Luke Bryan. He's getting played on the radio all the time. But you don't hear about like, at least on radio talk, you don't hear about Tyler Childers or Zach Bryan. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that they're bad artists, but it's like it all goes to like who's making those decisions to get them to get certain people on the radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't I mean? <clears throat> Nashville is a club. Yeah, it everything's a club. It's a it's a thing you got to belong to, and but you also don't have to belong to it. Right. You know you can eventually. You know if you're in country music, you're something's gonna end up here. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's crazy. It the it's flipped its head. It's flipped over on its head so many times that. It's, it's if you think about it too long, you're gonna just go insane. Yeah, you know. There's a lot to it. There is so much to it, <laughs> and I'll and I'll tell you. Um, I know you don't smoke, but since I've smoked, I I didn't start smoking until like March or something, mm. and man, it's made all of this up <laughs> here just calm down, level up, and, and think, not overthink, like not. You know, think about the what ifs. Like, okay, just give you an example. Like, okay, I'm gonna think about TikTok today. Well, which one? Okay, well, maybe I'll look for a trend. Well, how long do I want to look for? <sighs> what if the trend doesn't really go with me? Mm-hmm. Like, I ask myself all these questions, and eventually, I just don't do it. And I'm like, well, that was bad. Right. So you just it helps me just center and be like, just do it, do it, get it out, perfect it later. You mm-hmm. know, perfect the process later. You'll get it. It's, it's crazy now. I don't know. It's a wild, wild world. Uh, what do you got planned? Like, what do you got planned for 2023? Oh, well, I mean, the big goal right now is to get music out. And uh, that's one of the things that um, is holding me back a bit. But I, I say that very lightly because I feel like for somebody who's only been in town for a year and a half, um, I've made some good traction. And by no means do I think I'm behind at all. Um, I think the fact that I don't have music out right now, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. No, not um, You're and a fresh baby. Like, yeah. people can mold, they can help you rise something. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I think, honestly, that probably makes me more of an asset right now because um, I haven't entirely established like who Jake Matthew is, which is a very attractive thing for, you know, a, you know, a record label or somebody like that. Um, which, you know, at, at the moment, I'm not, I'm not planning on working directly with a record label at the moment. I think eventually I'll probably have to, but, um, for right now, you know, I think, yeah, definitely the goal is to have music out, um, within the next year and, and see where it goes, you know, and just see what we can do with it, see where it takes us, you know, what makes you say that you have to work with one? I don't. 
I don't necessarily think that I'll need to work with one. I may, I may have to at some point. I don't know. Um, there's so many question marks about the future right now. It's like, Dude, absolutely. you know, it, it, it all comes down to like, what can they provide on the business side of things? And what are they asking to take from me mm -hmm. as far as, uh, you know, money goes, you know, like what are, what are they, I'm not looking to be, to become what they think I should be. You know, I think me not having a record label right now gives me an opportunity to establish already. Give me the opportunity to establish who I'm going to be. Dude, for sure. Yeah. I think that's important, man. Yep. Because you got to know who, I mean, really, they call it, you know, some people call it the 10-year town and stuff. And it's, I can see how it's, how it's true. It's just you got to get to know who you are and right. what, what, you, what value you have. To, to give back to the fans, I think, yeah. Yeah, so um, to go back on it, you know, I don't know if I'll need a record label. Maybe I do, maybe I don't mm -hmm. at some point in my career, but I'm not looking to have one at, at the moment. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just want to, I'm anxious to get music out. Um, I'm definitely eager, but, you know, even if I was working with a record label, they, they would most likely put me on the back burner, so to say, for a period of time for me to build up my catalog, like I'm already doing right now. Dude. So I don't, I don't think there's any rush to get something out at the moment. I don't know if they would. If, if you bring value to whoever you're working with, um, They'll put you out. They'll they'll put you out and get you up with no songs out. I got a great example: Neon Union. Mm -hmm. Okay, they uh, they worked with Jimmy, Jimmy Allen. I think they only had before they even had. Now I think they signed to Jimmy Allen's label, so obviously he had a stake in it. Right. But before they even had any songs out, and they're bumping and grinding, they're yep. moving. It's all about those connections, you know. It's, yep. But it's it's all it's also not. There's just so many, there's so many variables, man. Yeah. yeah, it's very circumstantial. Yeah, like so. What made me say that was that I recently met um, a very talented artist who's working with Warner. You know, he signed to Warner, and this guy writes amazing music. He writes amazing songs, um, and Warner. You know, I'm looking at this guy like. He's got everything you need in an artist. Like, to, to, to say that he would need to be developed as an artist would not be accurate in my book. Um, but what do I know? I've only been, you know, I've only been here for just over a year. So, but anyways, I'm looking at this guy, listening to the songs that he's written. Amazing voice. Great storyteller. Like, this guy's ready to go. And, you know... Warner essentially uh, was like, hey, um, keep writing, keep writing songs. Like, we're gonna sign you, we're gonna give you money advancements, like you're gonna be a big, you're gonna be big time soon, but we want you to take time, we're gonna put you on the back burner a little bit and write, 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 build your catalog up. Um, 
and we're going to keep you a little bit of a secret from the public. You know, don't post too many things on social media. You know, that's, but it is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't happen for everybody. You know, some people, like, they get a record deal and all of a sudden they're a big thing. But, um, so I don't know. You know, if I was with a record label right now, I can't really say what they would do. But I can say that based on other people's experience, me not having music out right now is not a terrible thing. I would agree with you. Know. Yeah. Yeah, you get to build out who Jake is. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, Jake. What does living the dream mean to you? Well, I guess I would say just like deciding, right, what you're what you want to do in life, which I think is the hardest can be really hard. Sometimes people don't know what they want. Um, but making, but not being afraid to make decisions. Uh, so, and, and understanding that you do have the freedom to do that. Like, there's nothing holding you back. And some people might be like, maybe they have families or something. Okay, well, you still have the opportunity to live your dream out. Right. That just means that there are some things that you're going to have to pay attention to that if you were single, you wouldn't have to worry about. However, you know, um, for, you know, like my dream at this point, become a country music artist, be a great writer, tell great stories. And um, part of me living that out was having to make a decision that, you know, that I made two months ago. Yeah. leave my job and um, it's a scary thing it's like you know there's a lot of stress of like trying to figure out how you're going to pay for things but that's part of living the dream right it's like I made the decision make it, the decision if it wasn't tough you wouldn't appreciate it you know exactly and um, I'm blessed enough to like already know what my what I feel like my passion is being able to chase that and um, but you know again not being not being afraid to make decisions Um, and for people that don't know what they want in life like even just making a decision to like explore different areas until they find out what it is that they truly want because you know sometimes you're not going to you're not going to know what what it is you want to do without like exploring the options yeah for sure you know being adventurous and making decisions so yeah have you know, like knowing knowing that you have the freedom to make decisions i would say i would tie that very closely with living living your dream out all right, man. Dude, I appreciate your time coming coming here today. Also, it was it was crazy coincidence that that we met last night <coughs> at uh at the Virgin at Sam's Jams. So I'm happy we met. Got to see you. Uh, and thank you for coming over and talking a little bit, having everybody get to know you, brother. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate All right. It. Uh. I don't know. I don't really have a sign off yet. I want to have like some outro. Oh, you got to get something. I, just, <laughs> I usually say, 
Love you, bye. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Thank you, Jake. Thank you.